Welcome to the Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear podcast. I'm the medical director at Brio Medical in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am both a conventionally trained and licensed medical doctor as well as a licensed medical homeopathic doctor. This podcast is your resource for a scientific-based discussion of all things cancer and beyond from a natural, holistic, and integrative perspective. It's time to teach the body how to heal. So here we go. So this is our inaugural podcast. And so I thought, what better way to give you some ideas and some insight to who we are and what drives me, you know, give some perspective, give some background, because it's going to let you understand who I am as medical director of Brio Medical, what drives me in, in pursuit of helping patients with cancer, with wide variety of de- diseases to actually help them achieve wellness. I'm a physician, of course, a medical doctor. I'm also a medical doctor homeopathic, as my introduction describes. And actually, I played college football, believe it or not. I played at 285, so I was a big, hefty guy. Two people I played with actually passed away from major cardiovascular events within 10 years of of me finishing college football. So I knew going into medicine, if I wanted to help people be healthy and achieve wellness, that I had to do that personally. And so I actually lost significant amount of weight and probably too much, got all the way down to 172 at six foot one. But everything was progressing in the wellness movement because I've been in this integrative and wellness movement since 2006. But then I developed a tumor of my own back in 2016. And that's really where everything changed. That's where the wellness movement, the healthy perspective, transitioned to targeting people dealing with cancer to help restore wellness through healing. So that's really what drives me at the core. That's what drives me every day when I get up in the morning and go to take care of the patients that we take care of at Brio Medical in Scottsdale, Arizona. In many ways, though, over the last many decades, medicine is uh, it's off track. It's losing its way. It's losing its focus. It's losing its purpose. And, and hang on with me for a second because I'll help to explain that. And a lot of it comes down because of confusion about advocacy. I call it advocacy confusion. Physicians, the drivers of medicine, forget who they're an advocate for. There's a lot of advocacy for self, self-preservation. You see that a lot today. You see that outside of medicine, too. There's advocacy for disease. Disease is literally two words that simply means the lack of wellness. So whatever name we give, diabetes, cancer, whatever, it literally, as a disease, is the lack of wellness. So there's advocacy about focusing on disease and not the patient and healing. There's advocacy problems with governing bodies, with government, with bureaucracies, ideological medical movements. So doctors, physicians being advocates for these and not for the patient. Hospitals, insurance. Unfortunately, today, everything but patients. The patients are actually at this point in medicine almost the lowest common denominator. Everything else is ahead of the patient, and that's why we are where we are in medicine, where there is a distrust 
between patients and doctors, and medicine doesn't understand why. It's because they forget who they serve. They serve the patient. Hippocratic Oath, I think, really highlights this issue. First, what is an oath? As we journey together, you're going to understand that I love words. I love to write. And I love the meaning of words, the historical context of words, because they jump out of history and they provide modern day relevance in meaning. And when you look at the word oath, it's actually an old English word, meaning judicial swearing, solemn appeal to deities, God, sacred relics or others, in witness of truth or a promise. And when you think about that, the oath is a provision for your focus of advocacy. So when we look at the Hippocratic Oath, which historically is something that has been just over the last, you know, roughly 80 to 100 years or so, that the Hippocratic Oath became something that doctors would take before they entered into their clinical practice. Just a quote from the Hippoc Hippocratic Oath, quote, I swear by Apollo, Father Asclepius, the physician, and Asclepius, which was a hero and god of medicine, and Hygieia, which was the goddess of health, and Panacea, the goddess of universal remedy, who was also the daughter of Asclepius, and all the gods and goddesses of my witnesses. That was the beginning of the Hippocratic Oath. And history and traditions point to Hippocrates as a physician that practiced and advocated for physicians to approach the treatment of patients from a more holistic perspective. And this was counter to the non-holistic approach that was dominating you know, medicine at that time, if you can call it medicine. Not too different than today. All the quotes and ideas that have been attributed to Hippocrates are not directly attributed to him and his sayings, but from the historical physician Hippocrates himself, but also a collection of manuscripts called the Corpus Hippocratum. When you look at the Hippocratic Oath, it really began as an oath that many medical students would take after World War II as a part of the reaction to physicians that were critical to the actors in the Nazi war criminals, many of which were physicians. So it was an attempt to regain confidence between the patient and the doctor. It was to restore that public confidence in physicians by patients, where at that point that had been lost. The focus, the purpose, the advocacy. At that point in Nazi Germany, the government was. Now, when we look at these words, these words are important because they impart meaning. They impart historical context. You know, what I say about history is if we look at history, no history, we recognize the mistakes in history. History is important not to rewrite it, but to learn from mistakes. And this context with history, these words allow us to draw from that experience so as to not make the same mistakes and move forward with minimizing those mistakes. Today, there is a disturbing trend I see that the Hippocratic Oath is no longer an ongoing process in the transfer of the book science of medicine into the clinical application. Many medical students are creating their own oaths. Training these medical students 
they have no past medical experience of medicine and they're creating their own oath that set forward their path into their medical career. And this self-oath, this oath, as I'll highlight in a second, really shows their confusion of their advocacy. But it's, a, of course, because they don't understand where they're coming from. And because of that, they don't understand where they're going. They have no foundation to their original focus, to their direction, and to their source of advocacy, the patient. More worrisome is that there's many faculties at these medical students and institutions that are encouraging them to create their own oaths, their own advocacy. The difference between these kind of modern-day oaths and the Hippocratic oaths is that Hippocrates in what's referenced as a hip, in the Hippocratic Oath, he didn't reference particular groups over other groups, but it was about all the patients. It was about the sick. It was about the community at large. He even references free or slave. So, quote, I will do no harm or injustice justice to them. Not to, not to particular groups, but to them. Into whatever homes I go, I will enter them for the benefit of the sick. No delineation of the color of skin or the type of sick or whatever level of uh, the social environment that they may be. Quote, avoiding any voluntary act of impropriety or corruption, including the seduction of women or men, whether they are free men or slaves. That is actual Hippocratic uh, Hippocrates' words that, of the Hippocratic Oath that, that really garnered what is that oath. And so when you look at the contrast that many of these new self-kind-of-invocated oaths, they're actually identifying particular groups of focus to which they give their oath, not to the patients, the sick, or them as a whole. And so what happens is it, it's becoming self-preserving that advocacy confusion that I talk about. The oath becomes an oath to oneself and a ideological purpose, a political purpose, a group purpose, but not to the purpose at all or whole, which is the patient, the sick, the ill, irregardless of background, creed, or anything else of religion. So what's happening is we're seeing a transition from a true oath to the patient, primary advocacy, to an oath to everything but the patient. So we should expect, unfortunately, this process of advocacy confusion to continue. They're more about everything but the patient than the patient and the healing perspective of that purpose. And so why is any of this relevant? Well, it, it's the, it gets to the foundation of the purpose of this podcast, which is to counter this ongoing, I think, errored medical pursuit. We are, we are at Brio Medical, myself as a practitioner, a holistic, natural, integrative healing center. That's what we do. Holistic mean consider the whole impact of the treatment. Medicine today is very compartmentalized. And that compartmentalization coming out of education really drives into the clinical practice. And it's that lack of concept of whole where you lose you lose the connection between that compartmentalized treatment on the impact of the whole, and you see that in cancer. Most look at holistic as natural, but it doesn't necessarily equate to natural. It's a, it's a, it's a framework of thinking. 
Natural is as it describes, natural. Natural doesn't mean easy, and I think that's very important to understand. Most doctors, unfortunately, don't understand what natural means, and so because of that, they discredit. But that which you don't know, you can't discredit. You must understand the science, and so we will always lead with the science in this show and on this podcast, as I do in all the webinars and in all my blog posts. The science leads the way. We as scientists, physicians, doctors, we follow the science. We can question the science because that creates new knowledge and thus advances the science. Today, there's a move to actually squash that advancement, and that's something we must resist at all costs. I am integrative. That is very important to understand because it ties whole all together the aspects of the core of who I am, and I'll touch on that in just a second. And of course, it's relevant because I'm going to focus on cancer. But understand that the process of cancer is going to, the, the mechanisms that underlie it, whether cause, effect, mechanisms, change, treatments, can also apply to many other disease states. Remember, the word disease or disease literally means the lack of wellness, whatever name we give it. Disease is not an I, is not a IC, um, ICD-10 code. It's not an identifier that you bill to Medicare. It is a manifestation of a name that we've given that drives and points towards underlying dysfunction. And it's that focus that allows us to heal. So when we look at integrative, it's a Latin word that comes uh, originally from integrationem, which means restore, remake the whole. Isn't that interesting? So when we look at integrative, we integrate at several different levels. We, my goal is to integrate at the original context and historical meaning of that word integrative and apply that to the practice and application of medicine for the benefit of the patient. Restore the whole. Why would our goal not be anything else? Second is integration of the spirit, mind, and body. Everybody focuses on the body, and rightly so, but recognize that the spirit and the mind are critical to that final product of healing, the body. If the spirit, particularly the mind, if these aren't healing, then the body's healing is going to be compromised. Third is to integrate the dual objectives of targeting the cancer, the tumor, but healing the body at the same time. Again, that holistic perspective. Don't become so compartmentalized that we destroy the whole in our, our search for the elimination of the tumor. Fourth is the integration of therapies, and this is what everybody focuses on. And I'll talk many, many shows about this, and we'll bring in guests to talk about this, because it's the integration, it's the sequencing, it's the combination of these therapies whether that be all natural together, whether that be oral and IV, IV and IV, or IV plus even, yes, conventional, reimagined holistically as the science guides. Next is integration of allopathic and holistic therapies. The integration of these therapies together is what is actually, I think, leading in a lot of ways some physicians reimagining how these can fit together. But fortunately, it's the patients that are driving it because the patients want more of this integration, this healing approach. It's integration with the body. We must work with the body, especially when you look at cancer. 
what I tell people about cancer is the answer to cancer is obviously not to get it. But if cancer occurs, the answer is the immune system. So if we come in with a treatment that destroys the immune system, what are we doing? We're hurting the whole. That compartmentalized thinking is hurting the whole. And it's impacting the outcome. And it's, at, in fact, determining the outcome. Metastasis and terminal, terminal nature of cancer goes hand in hand. And I'll talk more about that in upcoming podcasts. It's integration of the science. Now, that surprises a lot of people, physicians particularly, that there's science that actually points towards holistic, natural, and integrative treatments. In fact, the more you're in the science, I believe the more natural, holistic, and integrative one must be. There's plenty of science there. You just got to go read it. And that's something that docs don't do well these days. And the last is the integration of precision. It's the future field of what's called omics, genomics, epigenomics, transcriptomics, proteomics, metabolomics, immunomodulomics, whatever omics. Just catching you there. But the point here is this allows us to dive into the specific signaling environment that is occurring in whatever disease, but here particularly talking about cancer. So the phrase that everybody equates to the Hippocratic Oath is first, do no harm. So just a few quotes that really uh, compiled together to drive that phrase. The first from the Hippocratic statement is abstain from whatever is deleterious and mischievous. Again, I love words. Mischievous meaning disastrous and miserable. Deleterious meaning poisonous, hurtful, and destructive. Second quote from Hippocrates, I will give no deadly medicine to anyone if asked nor suggest any counsel. Interesting quote there in today's environment. Looking at mischievous, wicked, wickedness, evil. Last quote here, will abstain from every voluntary act of mischief and corruption. Mischief being, again, uh, wickedness and evil, but corruption being spoiling, decay, disillusion, becoming putrid. And then etymologically, that's the historical context of words, says even it's politically, morally, and spiritually putrid, corrupted. That's what it means. So that phrase, first do no harm, that gets attributed to the Hippocratic Oath comes from the compilation of these statements. And these words really help us to better understand what these statements meant at that time to provide relevance to today to direct us. So what is the purpose of a physician, at least the way I see it? And this is what drives me. Number one, hope. Number two, heal. Number three, teach. Four, serve, and the fifth and last is integrative. These are the principles that we will bring forth on this show and that you'll see in the webinar, on my website, on briomedical.com, as well as in my blog posts and writings. So let me go through each one of these. Hope. That's not a word that most would attribute to the cancer industry today, hope. In fact, most would say there's not really much hope. There's no word that drives more fear than the word cancer. 
So if somebody is given that name cancer, hope is not something they're going to be thinking about. And when you're a physician and you're always on one side of the desk until you actually sit on the other side of that desk and those words are mentioned to you, you only at that point do you understand what the words mean, the emotions that come about, the thoughts that just grip you and circulate throughout you, the fear that can come on you. And how hope is the last thing that you would consider. But yet how we in medicine approach that can either provide hope and negate that fear or pile on. And unfortunately, a lot of what happens is piling on. Hope literally means a trust or confidence in a future. That's what it means. A day without hope, I see it's a day without a future. And too many times today in conventional medicine, particularly in the care of cancer, the the goal appears more to destroy any potential or confidence for or in a future. More than that, whether good or bad, but for a future at all. Because when you look at some of the treatments out there, so such as full-dose chemo surgery, it can actually spread the cancer. So in that essence, it's potentially destroying the future at all. So, so when we look at this process of hope, we have to consider that our approach to the treatment can dictate hope or destroy hope, whether it's the words that we say, terminal, you can't be cured. By the way, that word cure, can, it's not been clinically validated as an endpoint, so you can't use those words, physicians are. Uh, the destruction of the immune system and the body's ability to heal. So we come in with a treatment, destroy the body's immune system, and it can't heal. We've set the outcome. And if we, with things like chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, actually increase the metastatic spread, then what have we done? Because 90% of morbidity and mortality associated with cancer is when cancer spreads. So if the treatment is causing the cancer to spread, what are we doing? Well, we're affecting hope. We're affecting that outcome, that confidence in a future at all. And this this flawed kind of conventional approach that's out there right now in cancer care, I see it as really paradoxical to what it means to be a physician. What physician would not want to provide hope for his patients? I guess not to equate a patient and a physician as in a parent and a child, but what parent doesn't want to provide hope for their children? As a physician, my first goal is to give patients hope no matter how dire they may see situations. Fear comes on us all, but we can choose to let fear in and fear to dominate, and hope is the way to counteract that. Physicians must embrace the hope that patients seek, because that's what patients seek. They seek that confidence in and for a future. We must, as physicians, reclaim that purpose of hope. The future for hope that we as physicians must align with that with patients. We must help them to achieve their full healing potential as far as their body will go 
That's wellness. The second word here is heal. And this is really interesting because this word, uh, rafae, which is the physician word in Hebrew, it literally can be translated as healer. And when a patient's diagnosed with cancer, they don't go to their doctor saying, I'm looking forward to a knife and chemo. No, what their goal is, is healing. It's to restore wellness. And when you look at that word, what it means to be a physician in Hebrew, it's healer. Now, how many doctors do you know would gladly raise their hand when asked, who here is a healer? Not very many at all, but that is exactly what we as physicians are. We're healers. We need to embrace that. A lot of what we see today is not that embrace. It's the embrace of other things. Healing is literally the lifeblood that flows through the veins of a physician. It is that critical to what we do on a day-in and day-out basis. And that's what patients seek. Now, in modern times, there's been a move to redefine a physician's purpose from one of a healer to one that manages disease. Instead of reversing disease, restoring the healing potential, restoring wellness, physicians in modern times now are more managing the decline. Hmm. Have I heard that before? I think I have. Healing and wellness play no central role or very very little central role in the purpose today. Instead, physicians are being redefined as managers of the body decline. Every attempt has been made to eliminate this connection between the physician and the original purpose, Raphael. There will be continued ongoing attempts, but they will never remove the heal and healer from the physician because the word literally means that. So, consistent with this historical context, epidemiologically and foundational purpose, a physician's mission is to heal the patients. It's not to just heal the patients. That's important because if, if I'm seeing 30 patients in our clinic with cancer, that's great. But if I can heal them, that's fantastic. But if I can empower more physicians, now it becomes exponential. So instead of healing 30 patients, teach 30 doctors to heal, now we have an exponential effect. Now we have a movement that can impact thousands of people, millions of people across the globe. So hope, heal, teach. Next is serve. The basic role of, of a physician is to serve. It's being a servant. Now, I know that doesn't seem uh, very obvious today, but the problem is many physicians and doctors have forgotten not how to serve, but who to serve. And again, it kind of ties back into that advocacy confusion. We serve the patients and patients alone. We don't serve doctors, hospitals, governments, bureaucracies. When we do that, we don't serve the patient for whom we are designed to serve, heal, and teach. We're not advocates for the government and health bureaucracies, health insurance companies, state regulatory boards, the industry as a whole, or the status quo. We're advocates for the patients and only the patient. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of our focus and our purpose. And that's what you're seeing a lot of today. 
It's the advocacy confusion. Because when you look at this, medical decisions are based on everything but the patient. They're the last part of the decision-making tree. It's only if insurance approves or a regulatory body gives the stamp of approval, does a therapy, imaging, or test go forward. That doesn't mean that that's founded in science. It just, that's what decides whether a patient receives that which a doctor provides. Again, the patient is not the purpose. It's whether the approval, the benefit, is provided by someone else. So then the patient-doctor relationship is basically becomes one that's disrupted by a bunch of, you know, interference, adulterous players, if you will. And again, the patient's the last decision-making tree. And this is really a lot of the system that exists today. One of the things that I hope that we can do through, you know, personal things that I provide here and, and guests that we'll bring on the show is show how we can serve patients through teaching and healing and hope. And the last is integrate. And as I mentioned, this comes from the Latin word integrationem. And this is really a word that, again, focuses on the foundation of what all these words mean. Begin anew, renew, restore, to make whole. That's what we as patients want. When I was sitting there on the other side of that desk, having a doctor talk to me about my tumor, I wasn't embracing the treatments. I wanted to be restored. I wanted to be made whole again, because at that point I was not. Now that's not the words necessarily that we you know, spout out, but that's what we're feeling. It's that return of wholeness and being whole. Interestingly enough, that's what it historically means to be healthy. To heal is the root word there. And so this really brings together my mission statement of providing hope, of healing, of teaching, and of serving the people that come underneath my care at Brio Medical. This word integrative is a word that helps to signal a growing movement of rebirth of purpose amongst many physicians and doctors in the medical community, what's called the integrative movement. And I've been a part of this since 2006. And this word, again, brings these all together. It's more than a journey through historical word, word origin. Integrative defines purpose. It defines mission. As I mentioned before, it's the integration of all those different points. The integration of the original context and historical meaning of the word integrative with the application of medicine. The integrative of, integration of the spirit, mind, and the body into healing, which is making whole. Integration of objectives to target cancer and heal the body simultaneously. Dual objectives at the same time. We are physicians. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. The integration of the many different therapies, the integration of allopathic and holistic therapies, the integration with the body, working with the body, not against it, integration of the science, and the integration of precision-targeted therapies. This is who I am. This is what this podcast will be. We will dive in the science. may dive into the science at, you know, precision uh, degree that in a way that we have to you know review and reiterate because it's important to lead with the science. The science supports hope. The science supports healing. The science supports teaching that process, and the science supports an integrative method. 
This is what will drive, again, the context of this podcast. Hope, healing, teaching, serving, all through the integration process. So I look forward to this time with you moving forward with the many podcasts and guests that we will bring. So don't be concerned. There will be many, many deep dives. The job of a physician, of a doctor, and the job of this show is to help patients hope again. Hope for the impossible, think the impossible, believe the impossible, and achieve the impossible. It is to make the impossible possible, reality. Please share this podcast with anyone and everyone you know affected by cancer, any disease or disease, and simply, or simply, somebody simply needing to restore wellness. There's always hope when there are teachers that heal. To your health and wellness, and until next time, I'm Dr. Goodyear. Thanks for listening. For more information, just like what we discussed today, I encourage you to follow us on YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio streaming platforms. And in there, we'll talk about all things related to healing, wellness, cancer, and much, much beyond because it doesn't just apply to cancer. Our goal here is to turn to healing, restore health, and promote your wellness, whether that greatest obstacle to wellness being cancer or any other named disease. Our goal is your wellness. I'm Dr. Nathan Goodyear, and enjoy our future podcast at Practicing with Dr. Goodyear.